covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is great to have you with us. Welcome to the All-Star Break. If you are listening to this either on Sunday night or then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, All-Star Break in session. If you are listening to us after that, the unofficial second half of the season has already started. Have a little bit of a different program for you this week. It is our All-Star Break special edition. I'll explain that in just a moment. But first off, all the housekeeping stuff that we generally take care of here at the top of the program. If you do listen to the podcast via Apple Podcast and you want to leave a ranking and review, I would very much appreciate that. The more rankings and reviews that we get, uh, the more it moves up the list and more people find us and we're able to keep doing it. And all that is uh, very, very good. If you want to reach out to me, you can do so by emailing me, matt.pauly at wtmj.com, or by tweeting at me, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Here's what we've got coming up on the program this week. Uh, if you were, were taking, we're stepping away from what we normally do with the segments, with the headlines of the week, and the social media conversation, and the down on the farm uh, none of that this week. Just a pretty much a solid conversation that we're going to have is uh, what we're doing is I, I talk about mile marker points of the season fairly often. You get to certain points of the season and you kind of see where you're at. The biggest and most important mile marker point to me uh, outside of where you finish at the end of the standings or end of the year in the standings uh, is the All-Star break. It gives you a sense of what you've done and it also tells you what you still need to accomplish and what you still can accomplish. So with that, we're going to kind of take a step back this week and we're going to dissect this team uh, from top to bottom. And on our special episodes like this, we generally like to have uh, Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation. He was our first ever guest on the program and has been very, very supportive of the program, as has everybody. I don't say that to say he hasn't. You know, the, all the various uh, sites that we uh, deal with, whether it's Brew Crew Ball or uh, BP Milwaukee or whoever else it might be, all very supportive of the podcast, and we appreciate that. But uh, we do like to have Adam on when uh, we have a big episode like this. So Adam Rigg is going to join us uh, here in just a few minutes, and we're going to have a very extended conversation as we look through pretty much every aspect of this Brewers team. Now, we do this at a point, uh, we're recording on Sunday night after they ended up losing in 10 innings to the Pirates on Sunday afternoon, got swept in that five-game series. They've lost six in a row, and they've lost eight of their last nine. Now, if we would have been doing this show last Sunday and dissecting all aspects of it, it might have had a little bit of a different tone to it because of where the team was at. And it's not too often that in a baseball season you can really kind of feel different about a team from one week to the next. That's one of the benefits of a 162-game season. You can have a bad week. Shoot, you can have a bad month. There are teams that do not have good months, especially early on, maybe a bad April or a bad May, teams that still end up in the postseason. That is not a... That's not a rare thing. We see that happen fairly often. You generally don't want to have a bad September, but you can afford a bad April, a bad May, and right now the Brewers are not having a great July, and they've still got more left in July, and it's going to be pretty tough when they come out of the break too. No, Everybody's been talking about the 21 games in 20 days, and don't get me wrong, that is tough, but after the All-Star break, they still do not have another off day. The next in-season off day, so not in the All-Star break. The next actual in-season off day is going to be coming up on Monday, August 6th. So let me say this, and if you listen to my show on 620 WTMJ, Brewers Extra Innings, not the podcast, just regular Brewers Extra Innings, you heard me say this at the start of the program on Sunday. If you are somebody who, season's over, sky's falling, look what happened this past week, they can't score any runs, the starters aren't going long enough. They get swept by the Pirates in a five-game series. This is who this team actually is. They're not going to be going to the postseason. They might as well just sell at the deadline. You're wrong. You're very incorrect. That is not true. Now, that being said, if they 
go and lose every other game in the month of July against the Dodgers, against the Nationals, against the Giants, and then against the Dodgers again, maybe there's some truth to kind of some version of that, not that extreme. But as it sits right now, that's not true. They had a bad week. If you are somebody who says, oh, no big deal, bad week, bad week happens to everybody, you know, you know, they'll be fine. There's no issue whatsoever. There's no reason to worry about any of the issues that came forward during uh, that Pirate series, during the losing two out of three against the Marlins. I don't think you're right either. I think there is something to take away from the way the team has been playing. So the, the, the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's not as bad as option A, and it's not as good as option B. I tend to be a positive person, especially about this club. I like this club a lot. I think it's a playoff team. I don't know if it's a division winner. I think the Cubs are pretty darn good, too. Uh, I think they'll be contending for the division. But even if not, I still think they get into a, I still think they get a wild card spot, which when the season got started, if I told you, hey, the Brewers are going to win a wild card spot this year, you'd be excited. I think expectations changed a little bit with them holding the best record in the National League for the better portion of the pre-All-Star break portion of the season. But I think they're a playoff team. So, yeah, between those two things, I would say uh, the positive side is more correct. But there are issues with this club, and we continue to see uh, the clutch hitting struggling more often than you want it to be, offense overall struggling. Uh, At times, the relief pitching can be inconsistent, as good as it's been. And we'll talk about the relief pitching later on. The relief pitching has been nothing short of fantastic. But like just about any bullpen in baseball, they do have some letdowns now and then. And you know what? When a when a team from top to bottom is not performing well, well, that is literally true. A team from top to bottom is not performing well. Some bullpen pitchers this past week did not play especially well. Well, you know what? Some hitters didn't hit especially well. And really, for the most part, the starters actually did a nice job. I guess if you want to be picky, you can say they should have gone deeper into games. But they got pretty good starting pitching. If you're looking at, if you're categorizing into three separate segments, starting pitching, relief pitching, and hitting, I would say starting pitching over the last week was probably the strongest of those three things. And I don't know where I would slot in number two and three. I guess my point is they're allowed a bad week. They had 5% of the season. They played really poorly. You do want to see what happened there, and David Stearns is aware of what happened, and as they continue to move towards the, tr- the trade deadline, there's certainly some areas that this team can get better in. But just jumping off the cliff and saying this team is not a playoff team, this team's not worth anything, but yada, 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 I think is incorrect. This is still a really good team. This is a team that goes into the All-Star break with the most wins in the National League. They don't have the best record, but they've got the most wins in the National League after uh, a number of teams had a number of rainouts, uh, especially in the first couple months of the season. I think it's going to be fine. We get back doing this podcast coming up next week, and especially two weeks from now, if they're continuing to win one out of eight or one out of nine games, well, then that's a different story, and we'll address that at that point in time. But I, they're fine. I, they're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. That's the... That's like the tagline of this episode of the podcast. It's going to be okay. They're going to be okay. You're allowed a bad week in baseball. You're allowed a bad month in baseball. You certainly are allowed a bad week. Doesn't mean you don't have every right to be frustrated. Doesn't mean you don't have a right to be a little bit concerned that the way they played this past week might continue on. I don't think it will. Let's just see how this plays out, especially over those first couple weeks after the All-Star break, which, again, very tough schedule, very tough schedule. The schedule does not start to lighten up much until you get into uh, August with a few more off days. also want to mention the All-Stars real quick. Really cool. Brewers, five All-Stars. The organization has never had five All-Stars. And we talked about the All-Stars last week that uh, were first announced, and we talked about Jesus Aguilar going on the final vote. The Brewers... I know in minor league baseball, I spent 10 years working in minor league baseball, and there's a lot of awards that are given out every year for you know best promotion and best marketing and all that sort of stuff. I don't know what they do in terms of that major league baseball, but there is a war, an award like that. I hope the Brewers put up for consideration uh, the campaign that they did 
for Jesus Aguilar and all the events and all the signage and all the shirts and everything. Fantastic. Awesome. So cool. So really cool. And for Jesus Aguilar, a team, a player from a team in the smallest market to get the second most ever amount of votes in the history of the final vote contest, man, that says a lot. It says a lot about the Brewers fan base, says a lot about the Brewers organization. And I think, you know, this this past week we saw Mike Matheny get fired in St. Louis. And everything that I read coming out of St. Louis was ownership was really worried that players were going to want to stop going to St. Louis because they felt like it was a place that they were not going to be supported because of their manager, Mike Matheny. And he hadn't talked to Dexter Fowler in a couple months. And we all know that uh, when you compare the Brewers and when you compare the Cardinals, we know which group likes to have more fun. And it, that just looks like kind of a no-fun bunch. Well, it's it's really cool to kind of compare the two. Because if you're a player considering going to Milwaukee and you watched how much the organization supported Jesus Aguilar during that final vote, I mean, they, they took that to a different level. They're setting up coffee and donut and ice cream stops where people can come in, vote for Jesus, and, uh, and get uh, free stuff. Oh, my gosh, it was really good. It was really cool, and I think it's got implications a little bit larger than just that uh, final vote. And then Jeremy Jeffress being named as an injury replacement. He obviously deserved it. Uh, he had a sub-1 ERA when he got the nod. Good for him. Really good for him. And his whole story, including the off-field stuff in his past, how hard he's worked, how much better he's still getting, it's really cool. So, And Jesus Aguilar is going to be in the home run derby. That's, that's It's just fun. It's just fun. That's the good stuff that's going on. That is absolutely the good stuff that's going on. All right, so uh, again, we're not doing our normal, uh, normal all the different segments and everything. We're just kind of rolling through here on this podcast. So after that long spiel, let me uh, welcome in. As I said earlier, I like to uh, bring this guy in when we do do uh, special episodes, and this is the All-Star Break special edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. He is uh, on Twitter, at Brewer Nation. He is the facilitator of the Brewer Nation he is Adam Rigg. Adam, it is great to talk to you. I appreciate your time so much. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm, I'm just one man amidst a sea of Brewers fans. I just was lucky enough to grab the Twitter handle, I think. Fair, so. fair enough. Uh, <laughs> we're talking, uh, it is 6.50 p.m. on Sunday night, so we're a couple hours removed from what went down on Sunday, or the way the Brewers lost. I think Craig Council pretty much admitted uh, in postgame that, uh, that that's a tough loss, and that's a game that they should have won. It wraps up a five-game series sweep. They go on the road for eight games. They lose seven of the eight. It's really easy to say sky is falling, jump off a cliff, whatever uh, whatever cliche you want to use. There's obviously some things to be worried about coming off this last week, but it's also just a week's worth of games. How do you kind of evaluate what did go down over uh, the last eight games worth of baseball? Well, I, to answer your question, Matt, I think the last eight games of baseball were a very bad stretch of games for this Brewers team. Um, they had some nights where, you know, well, most nights, I guess, where the hitting didn't kind of answer the bell. Uh, a couple of nights where the pitching wasn't as strong as it could have been throughout the course of the whole game. Um, but overall, it's a team that looked tired to me at the end of a very long stretch of games, mentally as well as physically. Uh, just a team that, you know, they've built up so much good uh, they're, they're, they're in such a good position, I guess is a better way to say it, coming into this stretch of games. They're just coming off of a 6-1 and one homestand. That obviously, you're disappointed with the results here. Um, one win in eight games is never good. The timing of it is terrible, given what happened last year and the way that's going to make fans feel. And given the fact that you know they are going into uh, this sorely needed break at this the end of this really, really long, brutal stretch of schedule, and they just they need these four days off to kind of recharge, uh, refocus, and hopefully you know, hit the ground the way that they were able to in April and May. But again, having said that, for these eight games, uh, they match up poorly with the Pirates. We know that. Not to make, use it as an excuse. They don't hit very well. They don't score runs very well at all in PNC Park over the last couple of seasons. And call that you know too much home runs or whatever you want to throw at the offense for that case because PNC is a very big ballpark and is pitcher friendly. 
But, you know, they, they still won the season series with the Marlins. Um, they should have won uh, one more of those games, in my opinion. And there were a couple of games in this Pirate series that I think they had the definitely hey, had the capability of winning, should have certainly won today, given the way it's set up with the late three-run lead, uh, taking the lead again in extras right away. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes in baseball, that's that's the way the ball bounces, and the Brewers played poorly at a bad time to do so. It's it's so funny looking at social media reaction. Not so much funny, haha, but funny. What in the world is going on here? Some people take what happens in the last week and they say, well, that just proves the point that they need to go out and acquire more talent, that they need to bring guys in. And then there's some people who go the exact opposite direction and say, well, this week just proves that they're not even you know, a player or two away from contending. They shouldn't give up anything. Do you tweak your position at all based on the last week on what they should do at the deadline? No, I mean, I don't. I, I'm certain David Stearns hasn't. When did the rumors start that they were looking for pitching and hitting and targeting Manny Machado specifically or you know, the rumors of Nathan Eovaldi or being you know, sniffing around the, the Mets starters or you know, somebody tied them to Jay Happ as a possibility, not necessarily that they were scouting him, but the idea of Happ being able to help the Brewers. This team has wanted starting pitching help all offseason. Uh, and they have been not shy about the, the fact that they need or, or at least would like to acquire some hitting help as we've ramped up here in the month of July. You know, it leaked not that long ago that they were interested in a couple of hitters from the Twins. So Stearns knows the team's makeup. He knows what the deficiencies are after three and a half months worth of regular season. And he's aware of what's out there on the market for him to be able to go get. So if you if you allow yourself to see a bad eight-game stretch and say, oh, my God, let's overreact, and uh, then he's going to end up overpaying. And he needs to be the level-headed, uh, smart GM that he's proven himself to be over the term of his tenure here in Milwaukee, stick to his guns, make his best offer, and if the Orioles pick somebody else's, then so be it. He'll pivot, hopefully still go out and be able to add some help to this team on one side of the ball or both, and you know, push the team forward into the second half. You know, what happened last year, missing the playoffs by one game, that resonates with a guy like David Stearns. That resonates with the team in general. They do not want to be in that position again where they didn't really add anything at the end of, you know, the deadline last year. Uh, nothing super significant to speak of by any means. And then they fell short due to a combination of injuries like Jimmy Nelson. You, you can't tell me if Jimmy Nelson isn't healthy. They don't, they don't probably win one more game in the month of September last year. And they don't want that to happen again. You know, Stern said so in the all-access piece that MLB Network put together recently. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's one, of those, <clears throat> one of those spots where Stearns is very aware of his current situation for his team. So that said, you know, make your, make your pitch, uh, make your offers, and if the teams take them great, if they don't move on, you know, et cetera, et cetera, but again, don't let eight games uh, force your hand one way or the other because we, I can guarantee you right now the, Ori the Orioles and their GM and their ownership are probably calling David Stearns and being like, hey, yeah, see how bad you did? Uh, you want to throw in that extra piece for Machado now? They're, they're trying to leverage that, and he needs to be able to stand firm and you know continue to approach things as he's been doing for the course of this year. And we know that he will. I mean, if there's one thing about David Stearns is he's very disciplined, I think, in the sense of what he's willing to give up. And while social media might be overreacting to the last week for the most part, not everybody, but many, I think the last person who's overreacting to anything is David Stearns. Right. Exactly. I, I think that he's he's got that that even keel about him. That, and again, how many times have we seen him make a trade uh, that was at his price? And we know that last year in the offseason, especially both, uh, I think, one or two trade possibilities and some of these free agents that ended up going to other teams, this is my number, this is my offer, this is the package I'm willing to trade, and if you don't want to take that, then I can go, you know, I can take my business elsewhere. He executed the trade for Christian Yelich. You know, the Marlins wanted what they wanted. Negotiations happened, obviously. And he got the player that he coveted and had coveted for a number of years. Uh, the Brewers made no small bones about that, that they would love, that they wanted to have Christian Yelich on the team for a while. Uh, they were able to pull that off. Uh, you make your free agent offer to Lorenzo Cain, he comes to Milwaukee. You know, but 
New Darvish, you know, Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, Jake Arrieta, you know, go down the list. All these guys that they had, they definitely made some offers to reportedly made some offers to a couple of these guys in the offseason. Um, they wanted more money or more years. Stern said, nah, I'm good. So, yeah, no, he's, he's definitely proven himself to be able to set a price, uh, offer maybe below that price, you know, leave some room for negotiation, of course, uh, but then put himself where he wants to be. And if the other team doesn't meet him there, then so be it. I don't know if I've ever told this story before, but uh, when the Brewers have their on-deck event, their off-season event that they do at the Wisconsin Center, uh, Greg Matzik and I do a show on WTMJ, and we bring a lot of people up, including uh, owner Mark Atanasio. And this past year, uh, Atanasio's on with us. We wrap up the interview. We go to commercial break, and we're kind of chit-chatting a little bit with Atanasio before our next segment. And he said it more to Greg than me, but I was, uh, I was standing there at the moment. He kind of said very quietly to Greg, hey, David's got some more things up his sleeve. And this was post-Kane. This was post-Yelich. So he says, ah, you know, David Stern's got a few more things up his sleeve. Now, obviously, nothing really more happened at that point. The point of this story is I think that says a lot because the owner is very aware of what's going on at any given moment. He makes this comment that, hey, David Stearns is really close, whether it was on trades or whether it was on free agent acquisitions. And the fact that nothing happens, I think, is a good indicator to us that Stearns is very uh, disciplined in what he's willing to give up from a money standpoint or from a prospect standpoint uh, to acquire players because he's, he's close enough that Atanasio will make that comment, but still nothing ever came any more of that. Exactly. Uh, and like you said, Mark is incredibly tuned in uh, the, he communicates with his gm and, and david's front office on a regular basis he always does he's a very uh aware owner i don't know if i uh, necessarily qualify him as involved as much as he maybe was with doug melvin when he first got into ownership he always wanted to seem to you know kind of be in the room uh, whether physically or not but always kind of wanted to seem to be in the loop and, and help to make those decisions i think he trusts david to make those decisions and just obviously keeps himself informed, wants to be informed of what's going on with his team, of course. But at the end of the day, Stearns has many irons in the fire all the time. Uh, winter meetings last year was one example where he said that there's numerous conversations. doesn't mean necessarily that something comes from it. He said that again about, uh, I want to say it was to, he was at a, one of the Timber Rattlers games and said it to the media, and maybe it was on one of the other radio stations in town. But he said something to the effect of, uh, you know, there's all these calls, constant uh, chatter and communication, uh, but there's only so much that ends up happening despite all of the uh, talking between front, uh, between front offices. So, again, he knows what he needs. I think he knows roughly what he needs to, <clears throat> to offer to get something uh, along the lines of what he needs, and he's willing to dig his heels in, possibly let a guy like Manny Machado go to the Phillies, for example, um, let them spend their prospects and maybe use a lesser package of guys to go get something else that maybe won't help you as much on a day-to-day basis. Uh, maybe will fit right in and, and help you as much. You never know. A guy like Brian Dozier is one example. Um, has a, historically performed very well in the second half of seasons. Now, he'd be switching leagues, and there's obviously a lot of circumstance and context around that. But who knows what will happen? We can only probably think about analyzing what has happened after the fact and after we get a little bit more in the results column but no Stearns is he's shrewd Uh, I think he's only made one or two deals that have looked bad after the fact and I'm confident in him to attack this trading deadline and kind of get things right all right let's go around and look kind of a quick position by position look back at the the first half and then maybe do some forward looking with that as well and We'll start at the catcher spot where Manny Pena has been the guy for most of the year, has not done offensively what he did last year. He has moments. There's those times where you feel like he's coming out of that slump and then he kind of falls back. He's banged up right now. We probably, I think we're going to see him pretty quickly after the uh, all-star break comes to an end. Uh, but Pena uh, hasn't done a ton offensively. Uh, Jet Bandy at the beginning of the season,
season as the catcher who did, a backup catcher who does nothing offensively. Uh, Eric Kratz comes in, had a nice start offensively, has kind of tapered off since then as a fine defensive catcher, good veteran in the room. Uh, Jacob Nottingham uh, has done, actually, I think Nottingham's done a pretty nice job on this uh, this most recent call-up as we talk. He's still part of the roster. Uh, catcher is definitely a position that you can probably upgrade, whether it's from a starting standpoint, because if you want more offense, or if it's just to shore up the backup catching uh, position. But where do you view uh, the catcher spot right now? Uh, <clears throat> right now, it's, it's it, you summarized it pretty nicely, I think. Uh, Pena has not uh, not duplicated his success at the plate from last year. He has had a couple of nice moments, um, a couple of big hits in key situations, but they are missing that production. I, I think part of his lack of production, part of the lack of production at shortstop and maybe even at second base, all that kind of contributed to Arcia being demoted in the first place. Uh, if Pena's hitting 260 and VR's hitting, or whoever's playing second base, Saladino, whoever's got the most time, if they're hitting 270, 275, then you can carry Arcia's 200 average a little bit more easily uh, and, and benefit from his defense than you can when some of the other positions are hurting. You know, you've got Domingo Santana last year hitting 30 home runs and having a breakout season despite, again, a bunch of strikeouts, and, and you lose that too. So, uh, but on the catcher specifically, yeah, Pena, he really has not, uh, has not repeated his success. And last year was kind of a breakout. Um, is an older player for being as young as he was as far as major league service time goes. Uh, kind of really grinded through the minors and eventually got a shot and made the most of it. That said, they are hurting for offense at that position, but what can you afford to do? Pena knows the staff extremely well. He still throws his position well, fields the position well, handles the pitching staff extremely well. So he seems to be the guy that they're going to ride out as the starter. Uh, Kratz was a nice experiment. He, he has helped. He helped a couple of games early, like you said. Maybe Nottingham. They're ready to have him you know, towards the later half of this, second half of the season. Maybe not September necessarily, but mid-August. Maybe they're ready to cut bait with Kratz and, and have Nottingham back up in the big leagues for a little while, get more experience, help with his bat more often because he has been hitting a lot better than the other guys, at least at AAA. But they need more offense from the position. Uh, whether or not they are able to go out and acquire a piece, if that's something they're also looking at, we haven't heard much of that in, on the rumor mill. But guys, there are a couple of guys available out there. Wilson Ramos, for example, who also just got hurt uh, for his team, and I think with a hamstring strain. So he's expected to be on the DL for at least 10 days, if not a couple of weeks. So, you know, guys are guys are hurt. Um, whether or not, like, like I said, whether or not they can add to the position, we'll, we'll have to see if they even want to. But Bandy has been hitting a lot better at AAA. Maybe he's a guy you can ride for a little bit if you were to bring him back up from the minors. Uh, but it's, it's a spot where they could definitely use an offensive boost. Over at first base, it's kind of funny because when the season got started, we didn't know if Jesus Aguilar was going to make the team out of spring training. We thought it might be a bit of a uh, platoon between Eric Thames and Ryan Braun because we thought that the outfield situation would probably include uh, Domingo Santana a bit more. Uh, Thames, Thames was the guy who was, uh, I believe, on the all-star ballot at first base, if I remember correctly. And you know, we saw Braun there a fair amount. Uh, he, he started there on opening day. Uh, that kind of dissipated all of a sudden it wasn't much more than maybe he'd moved there in a double switch or something like that and finally with a thumb injury to Eric Thames Jesus Aguilar really got that opportunity to be there every day and what do you know here's a guy who's not just an all-star but putting up MVP caliber numbers there's some really cool stories this year for the Brewers and we'll get to uh, some of those as we go along but I don't think there's a better story than uh, what Jesus Aguilar has done yeah he's been just tremendous not to to, to see do his work, to see him realize the success that he's, uh, you know, seemingly been capable of for out a number of years. Cleveland liked him. They didn't think they had a position for him. Didn't need him for first base. Uh, apparently didn't give him enough chance to hit to be their DH. Um, and it was the Brewers' benefit that, um, that Aguilar was available, made available, and they, they've been able to reap, like I said, the benefits from that acquisition. So, no, he's, it's been a tremendous story. Uh, great to see him having the success that he's had. There's 70 RBIs before the break. I know how many games there are before the break this year as opposed to some other years. But still, 70 RBIs at this point, uh, the 24 home runs that he's got, being the number one seed in the home run derby, it's all positive accolades for a guy who got a ton of support 
in the all-star balloting, of course, the, the final vote to get himself into Washington in the first place. It's just been pretty much great from top to bottom. And hopefully he can continue going in the second half because the, the offense desperately needs him to be able to do so. Well, let's just talk middle infield together, second base and shortstop, because there's so many guys who have played both positions. Orlando Arce is at AAA. He provided great defense, did very little offensively. Jonathan VR's had some moments. I think overall he's had a pretty good offensive year. Still makes those uh, mistakes you don't like him to see on occasion, I think, to his credit. He's uh, cut down on those more. Uh, I think Jonathan VR sometimes is judged through the lens of maybe last year and not so much this year. He's put together a pretty solid season, but it hasn't been fantastic production. Uh, Brad Miller's been brought in. Uh, Tyler Saladino is getting most of the starts at shortstop as we talk these days. And Eric Sogard given an opportunity. Uh, he didn't do much with it. Uh, we saw Nick Franklin for a split second. Nothing more than that. Uh, I mean, this is... Uh, it's it's just a, a round table or a turntable, whatever you want to call it, whatever table you want to go with. Uh, it's a bunch of different guys who are coming in and playing these middle infield spots, and there isn't a whole lot of uh, continuity from one day to the next. Yeah, let's call it a, a water splash table where all the kids get their hands in the pool and just it's, it's a mess most of the time. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. There's been so many names that have had their – uh, you know, had their name put in the lineup next to those positions so far for the Brewers this year, and they are desperate for offense from shortstop. Saladino had a great series in Pittsburgh offensively. Um, he, he can make most of the plays at shortstop, so maybe they have something here for the second half of the season. If they do go out and add a player at that spot, then hopefully you get a, a nice boost, and Saladino probably ends up playing a lot of second base because I think they really do like the offense that he brings, and he is fairly steady on defense I, I mean he's made a maybe one or two misplays that i can uh that come to mind in his time not injured with the team uh you get brad miller who's hopefully here for his offense has struggled a little bit with inconsistent playing time has made a couple of defensive miscues that i think are contributing to his inconsistent playing time but those are the main guys right now uh, especially if vr's injury turns out to linger uh, i saw the reports after sunday's game that um council had said that they did get the mri results back there's no structural damage to the thumb so maybe he is able to come back pretty quickly but yeah vr has gotten he's gotten beat up for his 2017 he made a lot of mistakes that year trying to justify him turning down a contract extension trying to justify uh his place on the team and, and maybe trying to try, trying too hard to say look there was no fluke involved in 2016 to the type of player that I am. And, you know, by all accounts, he pressed early. He pressed throughout most of the season. And, yeah, he makes one mistake in the base pass last night by going trying to go first to third. He was safe. Uh, but the umpires, of course, called him out and upheld that on replay somehow, despite pretty convincing evidence otherwise, in my opinion. But regardless, he makes one mistake, and everybody's on social media, same old VR, VR being VR, oh, how can you be so dumb? But so he, he definitely catches a lot of that heat. You know, your reputation, unfortunately, it, most of it is based on what you've done most recently. And no matter how good his 2016 was, 2017 is what people remember that, that he did not contribute to that team, to their that team's struggles down the stretch uh, in last year, in, in August specifically, or the last half of July, rather, and August. But you know they've they've been trying to get offensive production. VR is much better defensively than he was, more, much more consistent. Um, but HP Aaron Perez has played there a few times. He's had he had a throwing error today that fortunately didn't cost him a run at the time. But it's just been a revolving door of sorts, and they could really use some consistency from that position. Versatility is great. Getting everybody into the ball game is great. Keeping everybody sharp is important, uh, especially when you use the guys all over the diamond like Craig Council likes to when you are willing to do double switches late in games, when you kind of have to in certain situations to get more length out of your bullpen, that kind of stuff. But they really need some guys to kind of, in my opinion, take command of those starting jobs and help, you know, help the offense consistently. That's a word I've been using a lot <laughs> on, this, uh, on this call here. But help the offense on a nightly basis, uh, produce runs all the time, whether it's being driven in or driving in runs yourself. And they need some guys to, to just step up and, and be the main two guys, I think. That would help out a lot. 
I get frustrated. Maybe frustrated is too strong of a word, but I, I, I take note and I disagree. I'll go with that when people are really critical of Travis Shaw simply because of his batting average. And look, his batting average isn't great. It's 245. Cool. Whatever. Uh, he's, he's had a good RBI season, 55 RBIs. He's got 18 home runs. Three of those 18 home runs have come since July 10th. He's played much of the season, maybe not much of the season, but a fair amount, especially recently with a bad wrist, uh, that eliminated his ability to really drive the ball. I think there's, you like a guy who's hitting better than 245, especially with what he did last year, but there's other numbers in a stat line to look at beyond batting average. I think Travis Shaw has contributed this year, and I think his numbers would look a lot better had he not played through a fair amount of pain. Now we can argue whether or not he should have just said, look, I can't do this, put me on the disabled list and get me healthy, but you have to at least appreciate and respect his desire to say, I can still help this team. I'm fine with Travis Shaw's uh, season so far. Agree or disagree? Uh, I'll agree with that. Batting average is not a great indicator of total offensive contributions. Uh, even RBIs that you mentioned, it's it's a good uh, a good counting stat for him. It's a good total. He's been doing his job primarily as the cleanup hitter, often hitting fifth these days, given the the lineup construction. But he's steady at third base, rarely makes a mistake defensively. And as you said, he's been playing through a, ba- a bum wrist for a while now, uh, close to a month that we know about. Uh, he rolled his ankle not that long ago. Uh, he's been playing through that. He's taken a couple of days off to get that wrist right uh, a couple of different times. But, yeah, he's you have to respect, like you said, that he's willing to put the uniform on, put his spikes on, go out to that third-base position and, and do everything in his power to help this team. He's he's that consistent, steady, calming voice. I mean, they called him – what did they call him last year? Mr. Vanilla because he was just the steady guy that you could always count on to come through, you know, night in, night out, always give you a good at bat, uh, always give you a good turn in the field. Uh, always be the guy that, that you could count on just being productive and he's you know yeah his batting average is down a little bit he's had some some bad stretches uh the month of june was basically a power outage for him but he's turning it back around hopefully that's an indicator of him getting healthy you know people like to like to throw injuries all oh, it's all conspiracy and he's not really hurt and like when matt albers matt albers got lit up and then went on the deal with a shoulder injury Oh, they're just doing that because he's hurt or not actually hurt. He just pitched bad and they need him to get to the minors. Or he pitched bad because he was hurt and tried to pitch through it. Like, it's not always a conspiracy theory. There's not always some mastermind trying to, you know, pull strings and, and manipulate everything, guys. Like, some of these, sometimes these guys are really hurt. And when you're hurting, it affects your physical ability to perform a game like baseball, which is super hard to do. You know, it's one thing for guys like you and me and, and I'm sure probably most of the listeners to go out and, and play some beer league softball or maybe even some competitive baseball on, 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 a, on a diamond with some friends. But it's a whole other thing when you're trying to square up 96 with stupid movement coming out of the same tunnel as an exploding slider at 87 and you're trying to be able to adjust, react, and have all these little muscles in your body tweak themselves and, and twitch the right way at the right speeds to you know come into this this symphony, if you will, if I can be overly grandiose, this <laughs> symphony of being able to execute a baseball swing. So when a guy's wrist hurts, that's going to affect your swing. When, when a guy's ankle hurts, it's going to affect your ability to run. It's going to affect your range at third base. And it could also affect your swing depending on how it's hurting. So again, not to be too long-winded on Travis Shaw, but I'm totally happy uh, with his season so far. And when he gets healthy, and these four days off are going to be huge for him too, I think. But let him get healthy, get some treatment uh, back in Milwaukee, and get himself right for the second half. It's going to be a grind. A lot to say about the outfield. We've been going kind of position by position. I don't want to go left, center, right, so we'll kind of talk about the outfield as a whole. Basically good uh, Kane and Yelich, they're both all-stars. They've both put together fantastic seasons. They both have had a profound impact on this team. When this team is scoring runs, it's because those two guys are at the top of the order and they're getting on base, and then guys are driving them in like Aguilar and Shaw. Ryan Braun has not had a great statistical season. He's played a little bit better than the stats indicate. He absolutely has contributed to wins. He's come up with a, a lot of big hits. He's had one of his best defensive seasons that I can remember. I've been you know, covering the team 
team on an everyday basis for a few years now, and it's hard for me to remember a season where he's had as many impactful defensive plays as he's had this year. Domingo Santana has been a bust. He's down at AAA right now. He's done very little offensively. Uh, the offense continues to struggle at AAA, especially from a power standpoint. Other guys, Keon Broxton has had a real big impact defensively. He had the one uh, really solid game. Eric Thames has played some in the outfield. I know we've talked about him a bit uh, at first base, but recently he's been more of an outfielder uh, than anything else. Brett Phillips came up at a really nice game on Sunday. He was the one guy who wasn't tired and it looked that way on Sunday, but for the most part, he hasn't been given a lot of opportunity. Aaron Perez has been out there uh, a little bit. Am I? Though that, I'm, I'm just doing this off the top of my head right now. I don't know if I'm forgetting anybody, but really, you can kind of say two guys have been really good. One guy has been kind of incomplete, and then you got a bunch of other guys who have been okay and have contributed at times. And then you got Santana who hasn't done much. Yeah, and like you said, it starts with Kane and Yelich, the two big offseason acquisitions. They've both done, I think, everything that was expected of them when David Stearns brought them in. Uh, Kane missed a bunch of time, and the offense suffered for it, as you would expect, when you lead off slash number three hitter, um, although he's hit second a couple of times in the Pittsburgh series. But when a guy who's always at the top of your order, uh, when he misses a bunch of time, more time than you expect, you know, your, your team's going to hurt for it. Um, but no, I think Kane and Yelich, as a as a duo, there's a reason that Aguilar has 70 RBIs and Shaw has 55, 57, whatever you said it was, um, you know, after today's game with his uh, another home run. Uh, there's a reason for that. And it's because those guys at the top of the lineup are getting on base. Uh, Thames has hit up to the top of the lineup a bunch. He's got quality on base skills, even though his batting average, too, looks bad and he strikes out a bunch. But overall as a unit the team is best obviously when everybody's healthy uh, Ryan Braun has not been healthy much this year uh, it seems like a broken record the last couple of seasons but as he gets older you know his body has betrayed him a little bit more and more and these nagging things that used to nag and play through like kind of like how Travis Shaw is doing it at, at his age Ryan Braun in his you know coming up on the mid-30s here he's it takes him a little bit longer to get over those uh, he has, you know, some aches and pains pop up that normally it's a day or two or you, you just play through them and they heal themselves. And instead he needs the DL time to, to be able to accomplish that, but or to be able to accomplish getting better from that. So overall, the outfield as a unit, I think, has performed admirably. Uh, certainly room for improvement. Certainly room for uh, more consistent play from whoever is man in the other corner outfielder opposite Yelich. If Santana can figure himself out, and I think I'm hoping, I don't know, I haven't seen him hit down at AAA. I'm hoping that he's lacking power right now as he's working on his swing mechanics and worried about contact first and power later. I'm hoping that's where he's at right now, but he's got a couple of extra base hits down there. Nothing really to write home about, but he, he's a big piece from the middle of that lineup in 2017, that 186 games. He's a big piece that's missing, like I mentioned before. That's 30 home runs out of your lineup. That's a lot of offensive production that the team is is lacking right now. So if they're able to have somebody step up, you know, Broxton, again, batting average-wise, hasn't looked great. Uh, Phillips had a great game today, like you said. If he's able to stay up and contribute, that's a true outfielder, doing a true outfielder's job defensively, uh, hopefully offensively, he's able to maintain a little bit. Uh, if Arcia can come back up, again, that's not the position we're talking about. But, you know, if these guys can get themselves right uh, and come up from the minors and contribute, then you're going to see that much more of a boost in the second half. How many times have we looked, speaking of the offense as a whole now, but how many times have we seen the offense perform so much better? And maybe it's no duh, Adam, and, and I'm, I'm talking things that are obvious here, but when the six, seven, and eight hitters are going well in a given stretch, whether or not Kane and Yelich are doing their thing, whether or not Shaw has a bad game, at the bottom of the order is turning things over, then the team does better for it. That 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 stretch in May where, oh, my God, the team's going to fall on its face, that was one of the first times of the season that they were supposed to do that, of course. Um, but that trip out to Colorado and Arizona and Minnesota, that long road trip, everybody said, oh, here, here comes the Brewers, here comes their collapse. But here comes this big stretch of the schedule. The bottom of the order on those series was rocking and rolling. Yeah, they got shut out that one game in Colorado, but they still put up a ton of runs 
over that stretch of games and really cemented that month of May as easily their best month of the season and something that shows you what they can do when everybody's hitting well, when most everybody's healthy. I think they did the majority of that, if not all of that, without uh, Eric Thames uh, for the month of May when they were you know, a bunch of games over 500, whatever the number was, 12 games over, or uh, it's escaping me right now. But that month, clearly the best record-wise, clearly the best overall performance-wise. The pitching has kind of done its thing all season long. But again, the outfield specifically, uh, what we were talking about, there's room in that other corner outfield spot for better offensive play. And if they can find somebody that will deliver that, be it a healthy Ryan Braun, be it a mix and match of, you know, Braun some nights, Thames or Phillips or some other left-handed bat the other nights, um, they would stand to gain a big boost from getting something out of that other corner. From a starting pitching standpoint, Yolish Chassin has not missed a spot through the order. Your other starting pitchers this year who have thrown at least uh, one game as a starter, Chase Anderson, Junior Guerra, Brent Suter, Zach Davies, Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, Wade Miley, Aaron Wilkerson. It's... um, it's a group that I think, for the most part, has done a nice job. They've probably exceeded the expectations that existed before the season got started. As a team, they have a starter's ERA of 3.89. That's sixth in the National League, so uh, just in the uh, the upper portion of kind of that second third. So they're middle, you know, top of the middle of the pack. If that makes any sense. They still, you know, talk about trades and so forth. They're probably, they don't have that, you know, people argue whether or not aces really exist, but they don't have a clear-cut number one starter. We can sit here and we can argue uh, who's the number one guy, but there's also guys, um, they've gotten more out of Junior Guerra. They've gotten more out of Brent Suter. They probably haven't gotten as much as they would have liked out of a out of a Chase Anderson, certainly not as much as they would like out of a Zach Davies. Uh, it's... Uh, God, there's so many so many different ways to look at the starting situation because in all they've gotten pretty good production, but you also sit there and say, if they're the wild card this year, does their number one match up with a number one of, of one of the other wild card teams? And it, it's quite honestly, it's probably are tough to argue that uh, that they would depending on who you're playing against. Yeah, I mean, you rattle through the list, so I won't go all that deep, but. Chasin has been a lot better than most people thought he would be after the first couple of turns in April. Um, and he's notoriously a slow starter, as some of us pointed out <laughs> on social media. But hey, give this guy a chance. He'll get into form like he always does. And he really has. Um, but no, the, again, injuries, right? Junior Guerra started the year in the minors. Brent Suter uh, started the year not really penciled into the starting rotation. And look how many starts he's ended up making. You've had guys making spot starts up and down, uh, or at least spot appearances up and down with the bullpen guys. Guys like Woodruff, who was supposed to be in the rotation, kind of got squeezed out of a weird roster crunch and took him a while to get back, and now he's more of a on this relief shuttle that the Brewers have going on. Um, but Anderson's la- season last year, again, he was one of those guys that pitched over his head based on at least his career up until that point, and it was a legitimate point of worry. People said will he be able to produce 2017's numbers again? And it was somewhat unrealistic. You know, you always project for a little bit of regression. Um, but his the home run ball, I mean, that's it's been his bugaboo all season long. He needs to figure out a way uh, over these next few days to hopefully get himself back to a little bit closer to where he was last year. Because once he gets out of the first inning, and if he can keep the ball in the ballpark, he's done extremely well for himself. And again... Maybe that's one of those things that's an obvious statement. And, of course, well, if they don't give up home runs, then every pitcher does well. But it's really been bad for Anderson, especially when compared to last year. And the results are in the other raw numbers. So you get him going better. I don't want to say he's not been right, but you get him going better in the second half. Chassin, you know, stays consistent. Zach Davies comes back and gives you anything. He's kind of in that. Guerra slash Anderson role from last year where they missed so much time and anything you get from them is a bonus because you haven't had it for so long so maybe he's able to come back and contribute Wade Miley is just finally coming back and hopefully starting to contribute pitched pretty well in the Pittsburgh series in my opinion and Freddie Peralta has been the revelation he's been the the unexpected uh contributor this season but there's again there's certainly room to add um and as well as these guys have done as a whole 
they pitch exceedingly well. People don't notice them. They don't give them the recognition that they probably deserve league-wide. But as a staff, or as a rotation, rather, the guys have been doing a, a very good job. But again, that just lends itself to, well, where's the big name? Where's the guy that I need to you know, come in and take the ball for eight innings and, and strike out 15? And where's my Max Scherzer? Where's my Jacob deGrom? So people worry that these guys are going to take three steps back despite all the success that they've had so that you know that people get into that that spot of worry and that's that place of uh, of wondering when's the wheels going to fall off uh, the rotation or when other wheels going to fall off the rotation so people they don't want to buy in now having said all that again chassin's been great suter's been i think better than anybody could have expected given the fact that he's never started at the big league level over this long of a stretch of time uh, Garrett has been fantastic. Uh, he's, again, a guy who's was not healthy last year. He hurt himself early. When he came back, he never looked right. He got himself healthy in the offseason, contributed right away at uh, Colorado Springs, comes up to the big league club, hasn't really looked back. He's been pitching. Uh, he's had, what, one, two starts that you qualify as being bad, uh, and he's just he's answered the bell. And now he's got a little bit of a forearm issue, so he's on the DL. So, you know, you're getting contributions from places you don't expect to, uh, places that Stearns has built, you know, to have the depth on the the, the, the ball club, on the 40-man roster. All these guys need to contribute over the course of a season. The, the Brewers have almost used 50 players already this year, and it's it's a grind of a, of a season, man. It's 162 games like we know, like all baseball fans know, and you need contributions from unexpected places to be able to do something special. And in the Brewers' rotation, I think they're getting better. Again, how you said, external expectations. I think this team has far exceeded them. And even with that, people are still expecting them to collapse. So hopefully they can come out uh, still firing on all cylinders. You know, I was arguing with a, a buddy of mine a few minutes ago that I was, uh, I'm over at his house tonight. And he wanted to say that, you know, their starting rotation, they, they were bad. They need, they need a pitcher more than they need a hitter. And he was using the last, you know, week or so as that example. And I said, I asked him, I was like, you thought they pitched poorly against Pittsburgh? Like, Aaron Wilkerson had the one bad game that, you know, made that more lopsided than it should have been. And today, I guess, you can look at the the bullpen, obviously not doing so well. But the starting rotation in this Pittsburgh series has been pretty good. Uh, you know, just as good as you would expect for what this team has been able to do over the course of the first 90-plus games of 2018. So I, I think people just need to... We all need the four days off, let me put it that way. But I think this rotation, if they can continue to do what they've done, it's good enough to get them to the postseason, and hopefully it's good enough to get them to a division win so they can avoid that wild card game. All right, last thing, and we're probably leaving the best for last. It's the bullpen. They've got the third-best ERA in the National League at 3.25. Despite Corey Knable having a couple bumps uh, recently, for the most part, after he came back from his injury and kind of locked in, it took a little while for him to lock in. Uh, You saw him look pretty much as good as he looked last year, again, up until last week or so. Josh Hader, we know the Josh Hader story. Jeremy Jeffress has been good. Those guys are both heading uh, to the All-Star game. You've gotten some nice moments from Taylor Williams. Jacob Barnes was having a really nice season until the last week or so uh, when it's gone bad for it. It's tough talking about a lot of these guys because the last week is they've lost some games. Obviously, you don't lose games by playing well, so we've seen guys who have not played great, so some numbers have kind of backed off. Uh, they still the only issue you want to take maybe or at least that I take with the bullpen is sometimes when they're down one or two runs and they don't go to those high leverage guys they go to some other guys who are not quite as uh, productive but ever look at every bullpen in baseball there's very few bullpens that don't have some of those guys who are the lesser guys who you have to use sometimes who are not going to be great it's been a, it's just been a flat out fantastic year for the Brewers bullpen I I pretty much agree with that statement from top to bottom um hater and jeffers like you mentioned all-stars deserve it all-stars just have had phenomenal first halves of the season even with i mean the last couple of weeks here hater didn't pitch a whole lot council has said he doesn't like using them when they're not in tied or ahead games situations uh jeffers has been the guy who's come into every sticky situation and has flourished uh, his stranded runners, uh, inherited runners, stranded numbers are, are uh, phenomenal. Uh, this uh, this whole season has been just a testament to his ability to overcome the the stuff that he's had to deal with in his career. 
Knabel, you already mentioned it. Uh, I think they're missing a guy like Albers right now yeah. who uh, gets hurt. You know, they're, they're missing his uh, ability at the back end of the bullpen. But no, top to bottom, left to right, this group, and, and let's be fair, the bullpen, they typically carried eight guys most of the year, sometimes seven. But that bullpen is probably 12 or 13 guys right now with Woodruff and Wilkerson and Hauser and Lopez. And this group of guys that just keeps you know up and down whenever they need a fresh arm. Um, Corbin Burns most recently joined the bullpen. And he's just been phenomenal in his couple of appearances. Let's let's put that out there. Absolutely. But this group as a whole, you're right. They've had a great season. They've had to come into a lot of messes. Um, not a lot of messes, but they've had to come into some messes. But they have had to cover a lot of innings, and they've done it very well. Um, Council Council gets a lot of grief on social media, especially for a game like today. Oh, why'd you pull Chassin so early? Why did you do this? Why on earth would you have Knebel close? Well, that's what Knebel does. He's the closer, so he's going he's going to be in that uh, that situation until that's not his job anymore. As one example, but Council gets a lot of grief for bullpen management. I think the thing that Council does uh, more better than any other team that I pay enough attention to that I would pick up on something like this is great about managing workload in, in that the guys don't get up and warm up very often without coming into games. I think I've mentioned that before on the podcast. Uh, I had a conversation with Carlos Torres uh, last season about how that's one of the things he loves most about Council as a manager when he played underneath him was that he rarely had to burn energy and adrenaline and not come into a game to have something to show for it. Um, but even a guy like Hader, maybe it's been a little bit exaggerated the last couple of weeks because they haven't been ahead in many games but Hader has pitched a ton of innings but he has a very you know manageable amount of games pitched and that's the type of pitcher Hader is he's coming in for two maybe three innings and then he's off for a few days but there's a somebody I put out there on, on Twitter not that long ago that Hader's like his workload index whatever stat whatever they they labeled that stat is his workload in terms of number of innings is like top 15 in, in baseball and in, in amongst relievers, but his stress or his workload index is actually like in the mid sixties or low sixties because of how many off days he gets, uh, how, you know, infrequently he works in games, that kind of a thing. So council's very good. Again, that's an extreme example, but he's very good about not making guys pitch three days in a row. I think Jeffress did it not that long ago. I don't remember, Many other times for anybody having to go three days in a row. Knable did it uh, in the Twin Series. He, you know, appeared in all three of those games at Miller Park. They won all three of those games, by the way. <laughs> for the people that think Knable doesn't know how to do his job anymore, um, which I got a lot of on Twitter on Sunday. But overall, the bullpen has been dynamite. Uh, nobody's perfect. Uh, not even Josh Hader's perfect. Although he looked very, very good again today. Finally, um, after a couple of rusty outings. Oh, this this bullpen's going to be fine. Again, he's spread the work around. It's been a big workload, um, but he's spread the work around enough that I think these guys are going to stay fresh throughout the, the, the balance of the summer here. There are more off days coming up. There's five off days, scheduled off days on the calendar in the month of August. That's huge for a team that's going to come out of the break with 17 straight uh, going into August. And then, like, like I said, there's five scheduled calendar off days in August. And there's four in September. This team is going to be able to stay rested down the stretch, lean on what is, again, as you mentioned, probably the strongest mm -hmm. arm of the team in the bullpen, and hopefully ride that to the postseason. Last thing for you, and I've kept you a really long time, so I appreciate you being so gracious with your time. And this is not kind of a this episode discussion, and I'll discuss this more in future episodes, but I want to say this on Josh Hader because he seems to be the single, the, the biggest hot point discussion of Brewers fans. I don't want to talk about Josh Hader and his usage when they're playing 21 games in 20 days because they can't afford to use him one day where they don't really need him when they might need him the next day. Now, the problem is there's been a lot of situations like that where they ended up not needing him the next day, and then he goes a long time without being used. I right. know what Craig Council has said about not wanting to pitch Josh Hader unless the team is winning. I think when all of a sudden – You've got five off days in August and four off days in September, as you mentioned. 
if you've gone three, four days without pitching Hader and you're down a run and you've got an off day coming up the next day or the day after, I think at that point we see Josh Hader used because they know they have to use him. I think the discussion of Josh Hader not being used enough when you're playing 21 games in 20 days is a ridiculous conversation to have because of the marathon that they're in right now. Uh, again, I think you're on point there. Um any of these guys really you're not going to be able to pitch them every day and when you do when jeffers came in and pitched three days in a row he got a day off came in for i think two hitters then had two more days off these guys they need their rest they need their recovery time uh but again on the other side of that they need to stay sharp so you know burned council earlier in the season everybody said how dare you bring in canable to pitch in a game where there wasn't a safe situation and that's when he hurt his hamstring and we were fearing that we, he, he would be lost for most of the season. Um, it's not all of the season at the time because it looked really, really bad. Uh, those same people will turn around and say, how dare you not pitch Josh Hader uh, more than once every four days? So it's people, I think they, they, they want to just, they want to win that day. If they think Josh Hader can hold a one-run lead or one, a one-run deficit rather and give the offense a chance to come back, they want to see that. They don't want to think about tomorrow and the next day. And the reality of the situation is when you play a game every day, Craig Council has nothing. He has no recourse but to prepare for two and three days out. He has to map things out sometimes. He has to stick to his guns no matter what the game situation dictates. So that, as you said, if he needs to go to Josh Hader on July 16th, he's able to go to Josh Hader because he didn't use him on July 15th in a game that they were down by four even though he could have used them when they were still down by two, it's 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 all it's all you know circumstance based. You need to have the context. You cannot view every every game, and this is kind of contradictory, I guess. But every game is fresh. You have a chance to win that night, so you want to do everything you can to win that night, especially from a fan's uh, perspective. But the manager he has to know what happened yesterday, and he has to be thinking about tomorrow a little bit. Um, and as you get more down the stretch here, it's been ridiculous. It'll continue to be ridiculous a little bit, depending on you know how games go. If they get into a stretch of where they rattle off eight straight wins again, 11 straight wins again, like they did earlier this season, then uh, not 11, but um, then they will be using those guys a lot more. And then there's going to be a night where Canable's pitched three in a row or Hayter's pitched you know three out of the last five or Jeffers has gone two or three out of the last four. And these guys are going to have to have days off. So be careful what you wish for when you're talking about pitching Hater too little. Because, again, as you mentioned, you don't want to lose that guy for a stretch because you are pitching him too often. Because the last thing you can afford to have happen is to have a guy like Josh Hader or Jeremy Jeffers get hurt, miss three weeks, and not be available at all because you pitched him too often. It's a balancing act. Again, one of the many, many reasons that the head man on the bench in baseball is called a manager and not a head coach because they have to manage everything, have to manage workload, have to manage personalities, have to manage the lineup, all this stuff, up and down the, the course of a baseball uh, team, roster, front office, play on the field, uh, coaches, preparing for games, all of this stuff. There's more that goes into baseball. Again, that's why they call him a manager. So bottom line is, I think council's done a very good job. Yes, there's been a couple of times where you could look back and was 2020 hindsight, well, that was a mistake. This is a mistake. But again, I think you said it on Twitter earlier today, too, or maybe it was recently. But bad process sometimes gets good results. Good process sometimes gets bad results. You got to try to do the good process all the time. You're going to get better results more often by doing good process than the alternative. So I think council has earned his uh, has earned the opportunity to have people have a little bit more faith in him. See what he can do with this team down the stretch. Uh, hopefully, they can avoid some of the pitfalls from last season. And like we said, hopefully, they can end up in the playoffs. He is Adam Rigg of the Brewer Nation. Follow the Brewer Nation on Twitter at Brewer Nation. Adam, this was fun. This was good to look back at the uh, first half of the season, unofficial first half of the season, uh, as we go into the All Star break. Enjoy the break. Well deserved uh, time away from the game for a few days. And uh, we'll see you at the ballpark next week. Uh, I'll definitely be at the ballpark. Let me just say on the record, because I, I've been on the record before, all five guys that are going to the uh, All-Star game on behalf of the Brewers, well, not counting Carlos Subero, who's pitching to Aguilar in the home run derby on Monday, 
the other five guys, the players on the field, I said a few weeks ago that those are the five that I would put in the All-Star game. They're all five going to be at the All-Star game. I feel pretty good about that. So I- let's just... Let's ride it out and see what happens. It's going to be great. It's going to be so much fun to see that much Brewer representation at the All-Star game. It's never happened before, and it's uh, well-deserved for a great first half. They go into the All-Star break uh, with the most wins in the National League. Adam, thank you so much. All right, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. Adam Rigg from the Brewer Nation joining us. I say from the. He is the Brewer Nation uh, as far as uh, that site. And, uh, again, check them out uh, over at Twitter, at Brewer Nation. All right, that's going to do it for uh, this edition of the program. Thanks so much for being tuned in. We'll get back to our uh, normal kind of uh, the way we normally do things coming up uh, next week with all the different segments and everything. But just wanted to spend some time doing more of a all-encompassing look back at the first half. And I'll tell you what, we – I say all-encompassing. I feel like we just we barely touched the surface. We could have gone much, much deeper and much, much longer, but we've probably kept your time as long as you uh, want to be kept. So enjoy your all-star break. By the way, if you, uh, I, I always love getting the emails and the tweets and everything. I might be a little bit uh, more non-responsive uh, this week on Twitter as I get away myself for a little bit. Uh, but feel free to tweet at me, and at the very least, I'll, uh, I'll get back to you coming up uh, on Friday when we get back going. Speaking of that, so here's the schedule for the week. Monday, Home Run Derby. Jesus Aguilar takes part in it. Tuesday, the All-Star Game. Then uh, Wednesday and Thursday will be off days for everybody. That's good, by the way, uh, that the Brewers will open up the second half of the season at home because that's going to give those players who are taking part in the All-Star Game the opportunity to... uh, There will be some travel in all likelihood on Wednesday, but a couple days going into uh, that Dodgers series. And then the weekend of the 20th, they will welcome in the Los Angeles Dodgers for a three-game series. And the Dodgers are a good team that, that are playing nice baseball. They had a little bit of a slow start to the season. They've been chasing down the Diamondbacks in the National League West. That's the National League West that's really, really bunched up. From a talent standpoint, I think most would agree the Dodgers have the best team from a talent, talent-wise. And... Dodgers, as the Brewers will do, will be able to uh, line up their starting pitching to get things started in the second half of the season. The Brewers will do the exact same thing. In fact, the Brewers are even having uh, Freddie Peralta throw a game with the Timber Rattlers just as they keep him kind of on schedule. They had optioned him down to uh, single A, uh, not to really more than anything else, just to give up that roster spot, but also to uh, keep him pitching and keep him on schedule. So, uh, well, that's going to be a big series against the Dodgers. And then they take on a Washington team that's been scuffling, but we're all waiting for Washington to kind of get going. From a talent standpoint, they're the best team in the East, even though they've sat in third place behind uh, the Phillies and the Braves, depending on which team has been in first place at any given moment. But uh, don't, don't kill yourself over the Brewers last week. It's frustrating, but it's baseball. 162 games. And that eight-game stretch represents about 5% of the season. They'll be fine, I think. (laughs) Uh, At least they have the opportunity to be fine. I'll I'll say it that way. I know at the beginning of the show I kept saying they'll be fine. They absolutely have the opportunity to be fine where we can get into September and we can look back at that week against Miami and Pittsburgh and say that was clearly, clearly, clearly a bump in the road. Enjoy your All-Star break. Enjoy the Home Run Derby. Enjoy the All-Star game. And enjoy the Dodgers series. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks again to Adam Rick for joining us for an extended conversation. This is Brewers x Trains, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.